by Darrow to center. Lundvik shoots. He scores! Johnny Lundvik does it again! Jarvis in close shot. There's a goal! Seth Jarvis, the 17-year-old. Short side, glove side, high, just under the crossbar. Cutting to the front of the net, and they score. Reese Newkirk along the right wing just took the pass. That was phenomenal patience from Seth Jarvis and the winner. Hey, this is Reese Newkirk, and you're listening to the Pucklandia podcast. Hi, I'm Joel Holt of the Portland Warehouse, and you're listening to the Pucklandia podcast. Welcome into Pucklandia. Uh, our first episode in February. This is Josh Kreitzer with Dubnetwork.ca, joined tonight uh, by uh, Brandon Rivers, the uh, boss uh, up in uh, Little North there on I-5. How's it going tonight, Brandon? You know, pretty good. I can't complain. First good weather in a while. Got some stuff done today. And, uh, you know, the, the random nice day in February has come and gone here uh, in the Seattle area. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that, but... Uh, we enjoyed it up here. Yeah, just just a little bit. So uh, enough about the about the weather. We've got some hockey to talk about. We want to try and keep keep this short. We've got a great guest for for everyone lined up uh, for our bonus audio this week. Uh, Kevin Dudley of the Spokesman Review. Uh, him and I had a conversation uh, on. Oh gosh, I've lost track of my days. Uh, earlier this week, let's just put it that way, previewing the uh, Spokane Chiefs who are coming into town on Friday. So I uh, want to try and be able to jump into that. But before we go down that path, thought we would uh, recap uh, Portland's two games against the Memorial Cup host, uh, Kelowna Rockets. Portland was able to win both games up in Kelowna, uh, giving them a sweep of the season series uh, against uh, the Rockets. Uh, they won on Friday night 7-3 uh, and then picked up uh, the victory a little bit uh, tighter game in a, in a 4-2 game with a, with an empty net goal uh, by Reese Newkirk uh, to seal it on, on Saturday, which ended up um, kind of being a goal that they that they needed, um, you know, as, as things got a little bit interesting there at, at the end. But, uh, Brandon, maybe before we kind of go fully into the games, what kind of st- has stood out to you so far? Well, I think if you're if you're leading off uh, talking about the Winter Hawks as of late, you gotta you gotta mention two names, and that's uh, Seth Jarvis and Johnny Ludwig, both of which have been piling up the stats recently and bringing themselves up into as uh, you know if you're talking about Seth Jarvis, you're talking about 17 year olds in Winter Hawks history, kind of putting them, putting his name up there like he did at last year as a 16 year old, uh, statistical wise and and leading the way, especially with two goals there. Uh, two of their four goals in the, the 4-2 win. And then you talk about Johnny Ludwig uh, piling up the points already with 16 goals as a, as a defenseman, which doesn't happen too often in the WHL. So, uh, you know, especially where he came from, can Junior B to, to this in just a few years, it's, it's pretty impressive. So got to mention those two names. And, and that's, uh, I guess, uh, the, the easy thing to, to kick off on is, is those two, two players. So uh, what kind of stood out with you, uh, over the weekend, over those two games, uh, with uh, Jar- 
Jarvis and Ludwig. Yeah, I think Jarvis's speed was once again on on full display. He had a couple of good offensive rushes. The, uh, Kyle Gustafson, who coaches the power play, is continuing to use him kind of in that sling sling shot position. Easy for me to say, uh, where uh, Ludwig will kind of skate up the ice, and if teams uh, don't give him a lane into the zone for 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 a clean zone entry, he'll sling it back either to uh, Jarvis or Darrell, and that's been working well on the power play for them um, of late. But also. You know, we've talked a lot about Jarvis, and and I and I put out an article uh, this week, kind of recapping uh, the the uh, third quarter for for the Winter Hawks, and that's available on Dubnetwork.ca. So check that out if you haven't already. But you know, we talk a lot about Jarvis's numbers, but for me, what you also saw was his ability away from the puck uh, as well. I believe it was in uh, the game on Saturday. Some of those games start to run together a little bit, but uh, uh, Wong had a shorthanded breakaway and had a couple steps on Jarvis, and, and Jarvis was able to, to back check hard and was able to lift his stick because uh, I, I think Wong had Hofer beat and just was probably going to have to simply tuck it in, and Jarvis was able to get back and kind of disrupt the play. So not only is he producing on the offensive side, he's really, to me, stepped up and shown that he's a, a kind of becoming a 200-foot a player and is, and is really kind of, you know, yeah, the numbers is what's going to stand out for the NHL scouts and, and some of that, but when they start to see plays like that, you, you know that this is a much more complete player than just someone who's, you know, good in, in you know, from the blue line in. And the, the speed that uh, Jarvis plays with, uh, you know, longtime line mate, uh, Jaden Durow, Thoreau had a moment like that, too. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to recall what the exact moment was where, where he uh, came back on the back check and made a, made a play difficult for uh, – I think he might have committed a penalty on the play, but wasn't a penalty shot. I'm, I'm trying to recall what the situation was. But the, the speed that those two play with uh, can be dynamic on both ends. Obviously, it's uh, – especially if teams aren't used to it, uh, you, you know, uh, watching a lot of Portland games, you're, you're almost used to it at this point. A defenseman taking the wrong uh, the wrong angle on either Darrell or Jarvis, and and one it being available as well um, for a pass across the lane for a, for an opportunity. Uh, just either, either way you want to go. So at this point, the the speed that those two play with is 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 really something to watch. Yeah, and you mentioned Darrell, and he was a player who I think there was maybe receiving a little bit of criticism, uh, you know, for not scoring some, some goals. Uh, you know, as as you know, halfway through the season, you know, his goals per game wasn't maybe what what some people thought he was scoring at point one three goals per game. Uh, but you know, he's he's put up a significant number since then. Um, you know, he had uh, four goals at, at the halfway mark and has scored 11 goals since then and has raised his goals per game to point three one. So a goal basically every third game. And, you know, that's that's playing with Jarvis and those two, you know, they have the chemistry. Johnson's had them together now for almost a year and a half. And as Johnson tinkers with the lineups, he, he seems to find duos that work well together because uh, you've seen Hannes and Knack stick together. You've seen Gracious and Newkirk, for the most part, stick together. Um, you know, Gillis and Manic are, you know, have, for the most part, seemed as well to kind of stay together as well. So, but, you know, Darrow is, he hasn't, with his goal scoring increasing, he hasn't really fallen off either on the assist category either. You know, him and, him and Jarvis are just working really well together. And then kind of that third member of the line, they've been rotating either Jack O'Brien or Gabe Claussen through there. And, you know, O'Brien has done really well. I think five of his nine goals have been assisted by both Jarvis and Darrow. So 
they have this, you know, he kind of adds that next layer. Um, you know, I don't want to say he's slow, but he's maybe not at the pace right now as a 16-year-old that Jarvis and Darrow are at, but he kind of gives Portland that layered, layered attack. And, you know, he's with his frame, he's not afraid to go in front of the net either. And so he's been able to find some some loose pucks and stuff around there and, you know, be able to kind of create some havoc. And, you know, Jarvis and Darrow, you know, they seem to also been able to kind of create from behind the net. We saw that a lot on, on Friday and, and Saturday of just some of the passes that that they're able to make from from behind the net and finding you know get into that soft area we saw Jarvis all by himself I think he had was it McDonald or Korzak turned you know kind of facing the wrong way so you know those are you know those are some of their veteran defensemen up up there in Kelowna so you know those guys that line is really going well for Portland we've talked a lot about the depth but you know as you know playoffs come some of those guys you know at some point you're going to need a, a guy you can turn to and Jarvis has certainly you know become that for Portland if he wasn't already and it seems like when the struggles uh, have happened with that line a little bit or even uh, I would say over the, the whole team uh, when they did have those those back-to-back uh, losses they, they like to cycle Newkirk up there with uh, Jarvis and DeRoe because obviously they have that chemistry from last year but when things are going good uh, spreading that across and and having the depth uh, up front at a forward group, despite it being so young that uh, not a lot of teams can match is, is something uh, when we roll into playoffs, um, the WHL playoffs as a whole, that if you're looking across the, uh, all the teams at the WHL, it's going to be hard for, for teams to match. Maybe you can make an argument for a, a Cam Loops or some teams over in the Eastern Conference, but Portland definitely has that uh, forward depth that's going to be uh, tough to match. And you mentioned uh, Hannison, Mack, and, both of those guys kind of bring a little bit different elements, but they definitely have found some chemistry together. Um, Hannah's just, uh, you know, probably with the best hands on the team, uh, I would say, and, and up there as far as his age group for the for the WHL. <laughs> uh, and then Matt kind of a, a really well-rounded player. I think the two of those together are, are quite the dyna- dynamic duo, especially as just, uh, you know, I think we forget the, uh, you know, despite the fact how much we bring it up on this pod, uh, just how young a lot of these guys are. I mean, just in their 17-year-old season, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that their their depth at forward is is just remarkable, and it's you know unfortunately they've got to rotate a couple guys through, and you know with with how well things are going and how well Gabe Clausen has played, you know since him sticking sticking up with with the team because he originally wasn't you know on the team he was going to kind of be that first call up, and you know sure enough when they had they were battling some injuries earlier on you know, he came in and he really elevated his game and showed that he belonged in Portland and he, he absolutely does. And he's got seven goals, I believe in, in 22 games played. Um, and so, you know, 11 points. So, you know, you know, 0.5 points a, a game for a 16 year old that you're not really going to complain too much about that. And, you know, former first round pick and, you know, so unfortunately, like, like we were talking about it, it, it means either he's coming out of the lineup or they've been rotating Jack O'Brien uh, James Stefan and Keyshawn Gervais kind of they've been rotating four guys through through two spots and you know I know there's been some fans who who've talked a lot about you know why is Gervais not in the lineup and um, you know so there, there's just a, it's a numbers game right now and and when when you when you go on a 21 game win streak 
and you know there some of the teams that you play unfortunately it's it's a numbers game and so there's always going to kind of be that little bit back and forth of all right who's getting in the lineup and I'm sure Gervais with the three and threes because I think Portland has three straight in a row here uh, these next couple weekends it you know he'll he'll be you know all the guys are going to be called upon so this is where Portland's depth really can show and that they maybe don't miss a beat as much when when a different player comes in so kind of what what have you seen from maybe some of those guys who are kind of in the, you know getting in the rotation I think what a lot of people lose uh, track of is the big picture and, and talking big picture playoff what you know already clinched playoff spot talking looking at that 14 forwards that you are having to make a tough decision on two of them every night on a healthy scratch. When it comes into playoffs where injuries are bound to happen, it just, it happens for everybody. I talk about long playoff runs, especially that's a, that's a good thing to have where you're having to make a tough decision on, on who you're cutting for the night. And, and Keyshawn Gervais has, has shown he, he is a guy that can, when plugged into the lineup, brings that energy right off the bat. And, you know, Guy drops the gloves when needed and, and, and adds a spark to the team. So, I mean, having all these different options in the forward group, uh, especially with only, you know, one 19-year-old forward and, and two two uh, 20-year-old forwards, uh, that's that's quite uh, an arsenal that uh, Johnston and, and Gustafson and Hay have to, to have at the, at the ready uh, in a playoff run. Uh, obviously, that's long, long-term, uh, looking down the track. But, I, I mean... With what the, uh, the those forwards as a whole are going to get out of a out of a playoff series, at least, uh, you know you you you, you like what uh, what they, what they have as a group. Um, but flipping over to you know uh, uh, Joel Hofer, who you know I, I don't think has had quite the numbers that he would want or the Winterhawks would want since uh, World Juniors. But I think that uh, that last game against Kelowna, the most recent game that we're talking about here. I, if you saw that, you uh, and you you saw Joe Hofer the first half that got the notice of Hockey Canada and, and played at the World Juniors. Uh, a, a lot of those fears uh, were put put to rest. Um, so, what did you like out of, out of Hofer uh, over the weekend, and uh, probably specifically that uh, that four two win where he had a couple series that were pretty impressive. Yeah, um, you know, on on the numbers front, uh, since he's come back, it's a save percentage of 884 um, and a goals against average of 353. So, um, yeah, the numbers are kind of there. And but uh, you know, in terms of him kind of getting back into form, I think what what I really noticed was how strong he was down low, and he was using his pads really well, controlling rebounds. Uh, he had the one on Saturday where it kind of hit him in the chest and it bounced down and kind of was in Ludwig's skates a little bit, but. You know, for the most part, for for all the shots that that he faced, especially because I think they had what Colony had what thirty eight shots, if I'm remembering right, um, on, on Saturday, and especially in that first period, he was he was under siege, and it could have easily been three four nothing for for Kelowna. Um but he, he was just strong down low. We started to see kind of that calm into his game again. When when Hofer's going best, there's not a ton of extra movements, and he kind of. You don't want to call it like he looks bored because that's absolutely not the case, but it's like this dialed-in approach that he has that there's just – he's not moving around. He's not flopping all over the place. Um, you kind of see some – you know, some, sometimes they call it an athletic goaltender that's doing that. It's kind of a fun way of just trying to describe the, the player. But, you know, Hofer's just – solid he's big he t- he took up a lot of the net you know when he need to show his his athleticism he did 
there was a couple of scramble plays there where, you know, ultimately um, on the Friday night game with, with, with Korzak's uh, goal, you know, I think he stopped three or four shots, including one on his back, um, you know, before Korzak eventually found the back of the net. But he, he's just kind of been back to being calm again. And the other thing that I've noticed, too, is how often is he playing the puck? And, you know, I don't have any inside information to anything like this. So, um, but to me, it just seems when he's seeing shots, he's not out trying to play the puck or kind of get a feel for it to kind of maybe stay in the game a little bit. And so, you know, he's more likely to maybe just kind of stop the puck behind the net, wait for a defenseman and kind of get back in when he's, you know, facing 20 shots in, in a game. You'll see him out there trying to cut the, the puck off and trying to, you know, pass it up to the teammates. And yeah, he's still going to try and be kind of that third defenseman back there every now and then. But he seems to maybe not play the puck quite as much uh, when he's when he's getting uh, regular shots. And I, I don't think he's alone among goalies that when their team is dominating puck possession and they're not seeing a lot of opportunities, they can kind of lose a little bit of a you know uh, that locked in approach that he has. I, I mean, I think that you go to the pro ranks even in that. Uh, you know, yep. so not to single him out by any any means. That's uh, that's just kind of what happens with goalies. Is uh, even the best when they're when they're only seeing a uh, you know below twenty shots a night and not a lot of possession and uh, for the other team in their own zone, they can they can look to to get engaged in other ways. So yeah, not to single him out in any way. For no, sure. yeah, oh, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is kind of the um, Clay Hannes's, um kind of his absence and kind of what you feel like it's done from from the blue line perspective for me I've really noticed it on the breakouts it seems like when with him not being back there and according to today's or yesterday's weekly report he's been been cleared and, and should be good to go this weekend but you know without having him back there I feel like the breakout struggled a little bit and then uh, Gustafson has used a couple tried to find a couple different guys to play the point and kind of quarterback that second power play but what have you noticed uh, with with uh, Hannes out of the lineup? Well, I don't think there's any defenseman, uh, I mean, maybe outside of Johnny Ludwig, that the team is, is, is quite as comfortable with jumping up into the play and, and doing his thing. Like, he's he's pretty confident with the puck and even away from the puck to create an opportunity. And when that defenseman jumps up, obviously, um, that creates a, a really good scoring opportunity. So cutting him out of the lineup, you really limit um, – what the team does, especially that second power play, you know, like you said, the, the puck move, it's not quite as crisp without Hannes kind of quarterbacking the whole thing. So uh, for Portland, I, I think they probably really appreciate having him back in the lineup. One thing I have noticed is, uh, you know, the kind of the emergence, especially probably since December, mm-hmm. um, of Cade Nolan, and, and maybe the numbers don't really catch anybody outside of uh, Portland's eye, but, uh, you know, people who watch Portland games all the time, but I think he's had three primary assists over the last couple of weeks and, and, uh, you know, including one where he sprung manic that was, uh, you know, not to, not to knock him by any way, but you're kind of like, Oh, Clay Hannes, uh, Johnny Ludwig. No. Oh, what is Kate Nolan? All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of, th- kind of a kind of situation where, you know, he's, he definitely seems to be getting a lot more confident in his play and, and, uh, you know, they, they don't give us, uh, minutes played stats by any means but I I would say that uh, especially with Hannes out his minutes have definitely increased yeah and you know your memory's spot on he's got uh, three assists in the last three games and five of his nine assists in the uh, of on the season in the last uh, nine games as well so yeah the offense is is starting to pick up a little bit uh, for him too and you know 
I, I think sometimes, you know, when you look at some of the rotation that they were doing back there on, on the blue line, similar to kind of what we were talking about with the forwards, is you'll see, you know, they were rotating between Nolan, Smythe, and Perna. And when Perna was traded to Medicine Hat, I think that maybe, I don't want to say Nolan isn't looking behind him himself as much anymore, but, you know, between him and Smythe, they were able to get into the lineup a little bit more and kind of get into that rhythm. So, you know, I, I definitely feel like like you, that's a great call-out of, of Nolan and kind of his play, and they've found that he can really kind of be that next guy to play on the penalty kill and kind of give them now, you know, four guys that they really trust, you know, five. Um, you know, they'll throw Bronberg out there as well, but, um, you know, for them to find another shot blocker like they like they have in, in Nolan, I think he does a, a really good job of, of blocking shots too on on the penalty kill without screening Hofer because that's definitely an art. There are some some players who are really good at blocking the shot, but if they don't block it, it's going in uh, because they've screened the goaltender so much. Um, but it seems like Nolan has really found a way to kind of you know get in the shooting lane with, without taking away the sight line of of Hofer. Yeah, that's definitely something we've seen over the years where. Uh, where in the in the zone do you want to get down to block a shot, and where uh, if you get down to block a shot, are you really just taking away what the goalie sees, and he'd just uh, much rather see see that shot himself? Thank you very much, <laughs> type of thing. So yeah, uh, I guess uh, leading into the you know the busy three on three yep. three and three for Portland on the weekend. Uh, any uh, closing thoughts on the the previous play, and uh, before we uh, kind of talk, obviously you talked with. Uh, uh, Mr. Dudley about uh, Spokane, but kind of leading into the weekend. Any other things you wanted to bring up? Yeah, not really. I was just about to ask you the same thing. So I think we're on, <laughs> I think we're on the same page there. But you know, I, Portland has has a busy weekend, a, kind of a interesting you know home road home schedule. Uh, they've got Spokane coming in on on Friday. We won't talk too much there. We'll let we'll let Dudley kind of be the guy to kind of share what's going on with Spokane. But uh, Portland has four matchups with Everett uh, remaining here in their last 17 games. They've got a nine-point advantage over the Silver Tips. Uh, Everett does have one game in hand, but uh, that game up up at the Angel of Winds Arena on, on Saturday night is, is going to be a is going to be a big game for Portland. Uh, I believe the last time they were up there was when Everett snapped the 21 game uh, uh, point streak for for Portland. So uh, Portland's probably got some, um, you know. I don't know if you could call it revenge on their mind at this point, but these are always kind of the measuring sticks. And if, if Portland wants to kind of lock in that, that home ice uh, advantage in, in the first round and, and be able to kind of, uh, you know, kind of keep that first spot in, in, in the West as well, uh, which is now given Kamloops, uh, you know, five game winless streak that they're on. Uh, it's now Portland and Everett one, two in the Western conference. So Big big games this weekend, and then uh, Moose Jaw comes into town on on Sunday for uh, their only visit and only meeting of the season. And uh, as we recorded this tonight, I believe uh, Brock Gould had a fifty seven save shutout or not shutout fifty seven save performance uh, in Spokane. So um, two, they lost in overtime. Yeah, they lost in overtime. That's yeah. right. Yep. So uh, you know, so fifty eight to eighteen at. The- <laughs> After the regulations, so, yeah. so yeah, just uh, in shots. That's 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 something. Yeah, so it dep- I, I mean, I yeah. think if you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, Spokane and Boucha, like of the two of the three teams you're play- facing this weekend, if you're Portland, is uh, uh, Lucas Pincari of uh, Prince Albert Herald put up a record since the trade deadline uh, tweet out there today, and they were about as opposite as you can get. I think Boucha has just one win since the January 10th trade deadline 
and Spokane has 10, which would, if you, if you count, yeah. I don't know if that was put out before tonight, it might be 11. Yeah. And I think they were the one team that had more than Portland. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty opposite if you're talking about your Friday and your Sunday uh, games if you're Portland. So uh, should be an interesting weekend. You got uh, Spokane uh, rolling in there uh, that you'll see live and uh, that 7-6 uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy game. Yep. Uh, with the offense that these two teams can roll out. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's a repeat, but then again, uh, Spokane just played a 2-1 OT game, so yep. you just never know uh, with those two lineups rolling in, uh, and Guy and Adam Beckman that, uh, you yeah. know, uh, leading the league in goals and, and can score pretty much on every shift, so. Yeah, we, we kind of talked a little bit with, with Dudley, not to spoil too much, but. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> stop no, talking about No, that. it's, no, it's <laughs> all good. Yeah, you can't help but talk about Beckman, but the, the stat I was going to throw out there is that Beckman has more goals than uh, prior to tonight's game. Uh, this is uh, what what are we talking on Thursday, Wednesday, what night, today, whatever today is Wednesday night. Um, prior to Kelowna's win against Tri City tonight, but um, at the time of our recording with Dudley, uh, Beckman had more goals uh, for Spokane goals alone than the Kelowna Rockets' leading point scorer. Um, so just shows how well uh, Beckman is playing, but. You know the other thing too with with Moose Jaw and Portland's done a really good job with this over you know the, over the course of the season of not taking teams lightly or playing down to their opponent because just ask Spokane you know yeah sure they put up the fifty eight or fifty nine shots it was tonight and you know they got a good goaltending performance but if you don't take some of these teams seriously uh, that's that's where you can maybe start to lose some of those points and. Every point's critical at this stage. Uh, they're critical at all points. You know, I always get a kick out of people who say, ah, oh, the points matter so much more now. I'm like, well, if, you know, all those points you lost back in September and October, if you didn't lose them now, then you're not struggling as much now. So um, the points count the same whether they're in October, whether they're in February or March. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a real interesting time. I'm, I'm making the trip up to up to Everett, and we'll kind of see all three. So I'm doing a three and three myself this weekend. So <laughs> I'll probably uh, be dragging come Hydrate. yeah come come Sunday. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun weekend. I, I love being at the rink. I love being kind of watching this team and and you know really continuing to watch how the, how they develop. So um, if you had to make a prediction, um, what is your prediction for the weekend? How many points do they get? I think uh, I think they get. You know, I'm gonna. If you're Portland, I'm gonna be optimistic, and I'm gonna say they get five. You get five. All right. Yeah, I think there's an OT game there, or somewhere between uh, Spokane and, and Everett. I just think both teams are playing so well right now, and and Portland and, and with Hofer, you have to think he kind of ran, ran back into his first half form. So I uh, wouldn't be so shocked either if he played all three, but uh, I think uh, you're probably guessing he plays Friday or I'm guessing he's playing Friday Saturday with no insider info at all yeah um, and then they throw uh, Gianuzzi at uh, Moose Jaw on Sunday but that's just that's just the guess uh, looking at uh, the records and how much more uh, important the the two games are against the against the top three teams in, <laughs> in your division you probably yeah. you probably want those a little bit more than you want the, the Moose Jaw one yeah so yeah, no, I, I think I think five is a good number. Uh, I think if I would set an an over under, it'd be four and a half. And you know, I think you know Spokane has shown that they can score. Everett as as well with with Kindop and and um, Gonsalves and uh, Fonstead, Fon- yeah. and Fonstead, especially with his passing right now. Oh my gosh, some of the passes he's making, uh, you can see why. Well, we can't yeah. we can't not mention Christian. Oh yeah, we yeah. If he if he wins uh, Western Conference Defenseman of the Year despite playing 
I, I think by that point, maybe 40 games. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is something. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, because he's, he's already uh, making a run at the, the team record for defensemen and goals. He already has passed it, actually. Or he's already passed yeah. it. Yeah. Horton, yeah, Josh Horton uh, of the Everett Herald put, put out a, a, a tweet that, because uh, he had two goals, I believe, against, was it, was it Seattle? I can't remember now. But he had two goals. They yeah. played Skokan on Sunday, so it might have been against them. No, because uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was the Seattle one because it came after. It kind of got lost That's in true, all the yeah. in all the back and forth that went on <laughs> up in the Puget Sound there. But um, yeah, we're starting to ramble a little bit. So um, anyway, watch the games. Uh, make sure you're uh, following Dub Network on, on social media. Uh, we'll have recaps of, of all the games. Um, as well as um, kind of all your other content for around the WHL. Uh, Brandon, how can uh, the fine folks of, of Portland fans uh, follow you on uh, Twitter? On Twitter at uh, B Rivers WHL, and uh, of course uh, follow the Dub Network and try to get a, a weekly uh, article out there on, on thoughts over the weekend and stuff like that. So try to get out that out there. But uh, yeah, so Josh, I mean, obviously all three games for Portland this weekend. Uh, if they're not following you already and they're listening to this, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be able to give you everything for the weekend, uh, all three games. So as as this you know crunch time starts, uh, Portland's already clinched the playoff spot, but trying to clinch a first uh, home ice advantage and then uh, making a shot at that uh, U.S. Division crown, which Everett somehow seems to win pretty much every year. So that would be something uh, for the Winterhawks this year, but. As I ramble myself, uh, just, yeah, Josh, I guess, how, how can I find you? Yep, so same thing, follow, follow Dub Network, that you'll get the first uh, recap, we try and get those out as soon as we can, but uh, on Twitter, it's at uh, JJ Kreitzer, C-R-I-T-Z-E-R, uh, appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and, and following along um, all season, and, you know, we're kind of getting into crunch time, it's, it'll be exciting, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to see you all around the rink. And uh, with that, we'll wrap up and stay tuned now for our bonus audio. Welcome into segment two. This is Josh Kreitzer, and I am pleased to be joined this week uh, by Kevin Dudley of the Spokesman Review, who covers the Spokane Chiefs, among many other things. Uh, Kevin, how's it going today, man? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How's, how's, uh, how's your week been? I know it's uh, what Tuesday as we're recording this, but uh been a been a busy week for you so far? Not too busy. Uh, the weekend was busy. The Chiefs had two games, so that kept me quite busy. But um, had the uh, last night and tonight off, and then they're back on the ice tomorrow here in Spokane. Gotcha. Um, so overall, I guess, what are your impressions of the Chiefs this season? You know, they're um, you know, third place in the U.S. Division. I think they're pretty well kind of locked in where they are at least right now. Seven points back at Everett. Seventeen points up on Seattle. I think they got 16 games left. I guess what stands out to you or what's kind of been your impression of, of the Chiefs so far uh, this season? Well, they've played pretty well. Uh, like you said, they're pretty much locked in to third place. They're definitely not going to fall, and there's a small chance they could catch Everett, but um, it's pretty much looking like a Spokane-Everett first-round playoff series. Uh, but as far as the season goes, you know, they entered the season. It was kind of a transition year. Brand new head coach. Um, they even had a new goalie coach, a new assistant coach, and an associate coach, um, a bunch of new scouts as well. Um, they turned over their entire uh, netminding duo, um, a few new players, and then, of course, the players that left, like Jared Anderson Dolan, um, and of course, the 20 year olds from last year. So they had some returning firepower for sure, uh, but it, 
being a year transition, it, it, I was interested in how they would perform. Um, they uh, they were pretty fortunate to get Ty Smith back. Uh, the New Jersey Devils sent him back to junior instead of keeping him at the NHL. So uh, they were pretty fortunate to get him back. The Toronto Maple Leafs also wanted Philip Crawl to play in Spokane in junior for his 20-year-old season. So that really bolstered their blue line and gave them a really veteran blue line. Um, so they've been playing real well. Uh, this, they still have a lot of firepower. Adam Beckman leads the league in goals. He scored his 40th on Sunday. Um, he's got about 87 points. He's just on fire. The Something that was interesting throughout the season was the loss of Jake McGrew. That was a mm-hmm. brutal loss. He he was uh, he only played about, I think, six games until uh, he got a knee injury, a season-ending knee injury. And that was a guy who he was probably good for at least 30, 35, maybe even 40 goals this season. Um, but they've really weathered that storm. Uh, Scott Carter, their general manager, went out and got a 20-year-old Leaf Matson from Kelowna, and he's done real well. And then Lucas Parikh, their import goaltender, has played real well. Um, they've even weathered their uh, an injury to their backup goaltender, Campbell Arnold, who's a 17-year-old. And he's technically a backup, but it's kind of a 1A, 1B situation. Uh, but he hurt his knee back in December um, in Seattle, so he's done for the season as well. But th- they've weathered those two injuries, um, and they're in a good position right now heading into the playoffs. Yeah, you touched on on McGrew's injury. You know, I think that I think a lot of fans maybe kind of have lost sight of that, given the fact that you mentioned that he's been out since the sixth or seventh game of, of the year. But you know, Spokane's power play last year was so deadly, and I think he was a, a big part of that. Just um, from from your perspective, how different is this Spokane Chiefs team with McGrew in the lineup? When he's in the lineup, they're a lot faster. He's he was probably if not their fastest skater, one of the fastest. He's got a terrific shot. Um, like I said, he, he's good for 30 or 40 goals this season. So losing him, especially in his 20-year-old season, was just brutal. Um, it's brutal for the team, but especially brutal for McGrew because he missed his entire 17-year-old season with a knee injury. Um, he's kind of got a, a, a fascinating story, missing that 17-year-old season and then still getting drafted by the San Jose Sharks after not even playing a game. Um, and then he came back as an 18-year-old um, and then had a really good season last year as a 19-year-old. And uh, San Jose does not have an ECHL team, so they're, uh, that kind of worked in Spokane's favor to get him back as a 20-year-old. Unfortunately, he got injured, of course. So um, missing him is – is they're missing a lot of firepower. Um, so I, I would be interested to see what kind of team they would be with him in the lineup. It's really hard to tell because he, he was injured so soon. But I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they were – um, on par with Everett or even ahead of Everett in the standings with him in, in, in the lineup. It's He's that big of a difference maker. And there's a, a ton of different variables that go into the standings and all that, but um, that was a really tough loss for them. But um, like I said, they went out and got Leif Matson to fill that 20-year-old spot, and he's done real well. Yeah, you touched on it a little bit earlier, too, with, with Manny Vivros coming in, and you know he's got a, a good pedigree from uh, with, with his time in the WHL and you know, how do you feel the team has transitioned under under his leadership? I know maybe there was kind of some high expectations for them coming into the year. I'll be the first one to to say that I had them picked to to win the division. And um, but it just to me seems is that how's the how's that transition been? To me, it seems like there's there's maybe been some growing pains a little bit with that. But that's you know watching from you know a state away. So kind of what's your what's your impression of the team under Vivros? 
You know, from my perspective, it hasn't seemed like it's been a too difficult of a transition. There's always going to be some um, some difficulty when you get a new coach. And there are some of these players on the team, like Eli Zumak, uh, Ty Smith even, and a few others who this is their third coach uh, in, in four or five years that they've been with the Chiefs. So that's got to be difficult. But um, they've got to, they still have, even though they lost a lot of veterans off of last year's team, they still have the Ty Smith, the Eli Zumak, Philip Crawl. Um, they had Jake McGrew, they all, a bunch of others, Noah King, um, a lot of veteran leaders that could really um, help the team transition to a new coach. And Manny knows, you know, he knows uh, a lot of these guys are on their third coach. So um, this isn't his first rodeo. He's He's been around, like you said, in Swift Current, um, where he won a league championship. So he's got some clout. Um, I think, like I said, with getting Ty Smith back and getting Philip Crawl back as 20 or, or Philip Crawl's 20, Ty Smith is still 19. That definitely helped. They give you know veteran leaders, really good players. Um, if they didn't have those two players, it may have been a much more difficult season. But um, they've, from my perspective, they've done real well. Um, you know, he a lot of times it takes at least half a season for a lot of guys to get used to a new coach. But luckily for Spokane. Um, they had some veterans that uh, could really transition real well. And Ty Smith didn't even meet Manny, Manny Viveros in person until uh, New Jersey sent him back because Ty's his his whole focus was on making New Jersey. He didn't he didn't come to Spokane at all for the preseason. Okay. Um, he was completely focused on New Jersey. Didn't even move in with his billets. He had when New Jersey sent him back, he had to basically move everything back to Spokane. Um, I I believe he had talked to Manny on the phone once or twice, but. They didn't meet him in person until he got back from New Jersey and then had to go play a game. So um, that's one of those kind of fun facts that you, you couldn't even tell because it looks it was such a seamless transition. So um, he's been a you know he's he's not Dan Lambert who was their coach the last two seasons who did a really nice job, but he's he's Manny's doing a nice job as well and he's kind of his own person. But um, it seems like the transition has gone um, smoothly from from my perspective. Yeah. How about there's a couple of rookies I wanted to ask you about uh, first in, in Barry Hughes putting up 42 points in, in his rookie season. What have you seen from him so far? Yeah, he's uh, you know, he played two games in the regular season last year, the tail end as a 17 year old, then a couple games in the playoffs. Um, he's he's his development is is really fascinating to go from junior B to major junior um, just like that. He's he's really interesting to watch. You know, he's um, he's still a third line center. Uh, which tells you how deep they're up the middle. But um, he's real fun to watch. He's got a great story. He's a local boy from Post Falls, Idaho, um, from a big family. His bear is not even his real name. It's just a nickname. Um, but he's he's been fun to watch. I, I think uh, his, if his development progresses, he can be really good. Uh, he's eight, he's, this is his 18-year-old season, and he's already, um, you know, NHL scouts are already looking at him and interviewing him. He should be drafted um, this summer. Uh, and then he should be one of the team leaders coming in next year. But um, he gives them some really good depth. Um, he's a real hard worker. Uh, he doesn't shy away from from physicality at all. So he's been real fun to watch. Yeah, he seems like a, a pretty good story. Portland fans are are familiar with guys who've made the jump from junior B up to uh, up to major junior with uh, Johnny Ludwig on, on the blue line. So um, yeah, those guys are always fun stories to to see and 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 to follow. I I've I really liked what I've seen from him when I've when you know when Spokane's come to town so yeah he, he's definitely a player that is is going to be someone to someone to watch for for the Chiefs uh, going forward um the other guy that I really have liked when I've seen him in person has been Graham Sward who's a uh, former first round Bantam pick what have you what what do you like about his game uh in in his rookie season 
He is just a really smart player. Um, he's only 16, like you said, and he's a young 16-year-old. He won't turn 17 until September, I believe. So he and he might he might be one of their best defensemen next year as a 17-year-old. You know, he kind of started the season a little buried on the depth chart just because they have uh, Noah King and Ty Smith on that top pairing. Uh, Noah's 20, Ty's 19. Uh, Philip Crawl in the second pairing, he's 20. Bobby Russell's there, he's 19. Matt LaDuke is 19, although Matt LaDuke's out injured now. So that kind of helped um, Graham Sward uh, bump up. Uh, he's now playing the second D pairing with Philip Crawl as a 16-year-old. And he's definitely earned it. You 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 watch it the first month of the season, you can tell he's a 16-year-old. But ever since then, he, he looks like a veteran out there. Um, on Sunday against Everett here in Spokane, uh, the Chiefs were down 2-1, and he's on his own, the corner of the ice, he's at his own goal line. He sends a pass almost half the ice to, to the red line, perfect tape-to-tape pass to Leif Matson, who skated in uh, on a breakaway and scored to tie the game. Chiefs went on to win that game, and Manny Viveros credited the win partially to that assist. It was such a beautiful pass. He, Manny called it an NHL pass. Um, it was, you know, you, you, like I said, you can't tell he's a 16-year-old. He just makes the right decisions. He kind of, you know, it, it's good that he gets to look at Ty Smith and Noah King and Philip Crawl and those guys kind of learn from them as a 16-year-old because, like I said, he's, he's going to be one of their best defensemen, if not the best defenseman on the team next year. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's not going to fill up the stat sheet. I think he's only got 12 points this year, but um, he doesn't have to. There's plenty of other guys to, to score goals and, and make plays and all that. He's just a smart player, really good angles. Um, smart with the puck, and he's not afraid uh, of the physicality either. The 16-year-old, he, he'll go up against anybody, really. Um, so he's he's one to if he he's he's only going to improve, and he should be drafted summer of 2021, um, I believe is unless he's late September. I'll have to look up his birthday, but he's he's going to be one to to watch in the in the coming seasons. Yeah, I, um, you, you touched on it kind of at your at your very first uh, point about. Um, Lucas Perique and, and the goaltending and all that. And he, he seems to be, you know, a, a player who can can sometimes get a, a little riled up and a very emotional player kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit. Uh, and, and when he's on, he he's on. But uh, kind of what have you, you seen from him and kind of how is, you know, I think James Porter Jr. has been has done well in some of his games uh, recently. And I think he's got a shutout streak going if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, kind two, of how's two in a row. Goaltending situ- yeah. How's the goaltending situation so far? So yeah, you're right. Parikh's very emotional guy, um, which is good and bad. He's very happy go lucky guy. He's real, real fun to be around. Um, real jovial, real outgoing. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's new to North American hockey because he played in the Czech Republic uh, up until this season. He's only 18 years old. Uh, so he's, there's, you know, room for him to grow, but He's a big guy. He's real steady in net, but like you're you're correct. If he, if he's off, um, it's 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 bad news. Uh, but he's he's been their goal, their starting goaltender from from day one. He's battled, I think, at least two, maybe even three minor injuries this season. Um, a couple of them were a little more major than minor, uh, but he's finally healthy. I think he got kind of he tweaked a leg or something at the World Juniors, but he he came back and played right away. So. Um, as long as he can get consistent, uh, he could really carry the team far. You mentioned James Porter Jr. He's another fun story. He's a semi-local kid. He's from Bonners Ferry, Idaho, which is a couple hours north of Spokane. Um, he was a kid when he was uh, either a squirt or a peewee. Uh, he was one of those, you know, the player, 
when they introduce the starting lineups, they have a youth player skate out. He did that as a kid at the Spokane Arena way back when. So it's kind of cool that he did that, and now he's playing goal- goalie for the Spokane Chiefs. Um, he was with the Kelowna Rockets. They uh, got rid of him, and I think he went to Moose Jaw briefly uh, before Spokane picked him up. The reason Spokane had to pick him up was because Campbell Arnold, their second goaltender, got injured in Seattle, like I said earlier. And that was another brutal injury. Arnold, was he's a really good goaltender. He's only 17 years old. Um, so the Chiefs are pretty set for the goalies, the goalie position for the next couple seasons. But James Porter Jr. came in. He's been playing really well. Um, I'm looking at his stats now. He's got a 932 save percentage in six appearances. Like you mentioned, the two straight shutouts. And the first of those two was against Kelowna, his former team. So that was really cool for him. Um, so they're, you know, they it was a real risky move bringing in Porter. Um, not that Porter's a poor goaltender, but he's he just hasn't been with the team. He's kind of bounced around from Kelowna to Moose Jaw. And I think he may have been in junior A for a short bit. Uh, but he's done real well for them. You can tell he likes playing in Spokane. He has family there every every game he plays. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start tomorrow night when the Chiefs host Moose Jaw. Um, so they're, you know, the, the Chiefs have been fortunate that um, Arnold's injury didn't really derail their season. So um, Parikh will be the guy in net uh, heading into the playoffs. I'm pretty positive, but they have a very capable backup in James Porter Jr. Yeah, you know, Portland has, has seen uh, both goaltenders, and I think the Port, you know, uh, Porter Jr. came in, you know, pretty much right on the same day that he was he was traded for it I believe when Portland was out in in Spokane but yeah so Portland has, has seen both goaltenders and and both have you know shown what they're capable of so it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of how kind of that rotation works da- down the stretch um, the other guy at the at the deadline that you know that that Portland fans are are familiar with is, is Brad Janelle coming over from uh, you know the Winnipeg Ice uh, you know, he spent some time uh, in Portland, you know, a season and a half or so. Um, what kind of impact has he made uh, in his, you know, short time in in uh, Spokane there? So he's been added. He's been a good addition to, for Spokane. He's been added to the power play. I think the second power play unit. Um, he's only played in 10 games. He's injured right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. Maybe not tomorrow night, but possibly this weekend. And I believe they play Portland this Friday. So if he's back for that game, that's a good sign for the Chiefs. Uh, but he's been a really good addition, real speedy guy. Uh, like I said, he's a, another plug on the power play, and they needed that. I think they, you know, every team's got two power play units, but the Chiefs kind of had one and a half. They have they, their second power play unit. They were kind of rotating some guys in and out throughout the season here and there. Uh, but he's really stepped up, um, kind of made a seamless transition into the team. It's real hard at the trade deadline. He was coming all the way from Winnipeg. Um, a team that you know obviously used to be in Kootenay, so they used to see each other a lot, but now they only see each other once a season. Um, so he's yeah, he's been a really good addition. Um, the Chiefs didn't make many any big moves at the trade deadline, but he would be considered probably their biggest. And I expect him. Um, I'm I'm assuming they're going to be careful with his injury, and because they want him for the playoffs, because uh, he's he definitely gives them speed. Uh, you may give him the speed that that they're missing with McGrew out. Um, but he can also even chip in some goals uh, here and there as well. Yeah, I, I've thrown a lot at you, um, so let's me <laughs> kind of take a step back real quick and wanted to ask you a, a little bit about uh, Adam Beckman and, and his scoring run that that he's been on. I know he set that franchise record, what, 10 straight games or something like that. Um, when I was looking him up uh, over the weekend as I was working on a on a project for the Winterhawks, um, 
notice that he actually has more goals this season than the Kelowna Rockets leading goal or leading point score, uh, which to me is just absolutely crazy. Um, and then too, as I was kind of diving into his stats a little bit more, I realized that he didn't score until Beckman, that is, didn't score until the fifth game of, of the season. So as you mentioned with his 40 goals, he's really done it in 46 games. Um, just, I mean, I had a chance to, to talk to him and meet him on uh, interview him after the last game here in, in Portland, but, you know, it seems like a real, um, high quality, high character guy who, you know, I imagine the Minnesota wild are probably going to be looking to, to sign him. You know, I know that franchise is desperately looking for goal scorers, but, uh, you know, maybe what, what more have you seen out of Beckman since you get a chance to see him uh, a lot more frequently than, than those of us here in, uh, in Portland? Well, you're absolutely right. He's just a great, great kid, a great guy to talk to, always credits his teammates. He never, um, you know, I ask him, say, hey, you just scored your 40th goal. How does that feel? And he kind of brushes it aside and said, you know, it's it's better to win. Um, credit the teammates, all that, and, you know, like your typical humble hockey player. But he's just a guy that knows how to find the net. He's seems like he's always involved every game in scoring. Um, and he's a guy, so he's 18 this year. Uh, he really burst onto the scene last year as a 17-year-old. The year before his 16-year-old season, I was told the team really wanted to keep him on the roster, but they really felt like he would be one of those 16-year-olds that was, you know, scratched every, you know, he, only, he would only play every three or four games. He'd always be scratched just because of a numbers game. So they sent him back to midget so he would get some uh, some more playing time. And I think that really helped because burst onto the scene last year, third-round draft pick from for the Minnesota Wild. Now he's got 40 goals this season. He'll probably have 100 points by the time the season's over. He could maybe score 50 goals. He's got a few more games to do that. Uh, but he's just a guy who's he's always on the stat sheet. He may He's not the fastest guy, but he's very skilled, extremely skilled. He's a lot faster than he used to be. He's a lot more physical than he used to be as well. I remember last season, um, I, the first half of the season, it seemed like he didn't want to hit anybody. Then just something changed. Once he came back from Christmas, he was hitting everybody. This year, the same thing. He's been physical from day one, not 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 uh, afraid to shy away from anybody from any size. Um, so he's definitely their team leader. They're going to count on him in the playoffs. Um, he had some big playoff goals last year in Portland. I'm sure Portland fans remember a few. Um, so I he's just real fun to watch, real fun to talk to, just a really good guy. Um, he probably needs to put some size on. Uh, he's still kind of a skinny guy, but I don't think he's he's done growing. And I'm once he gets, uh, you know. He's still only 18, like I said. Once he gets older, he'll uh, he'll really beef up, and I think Minnesota got a really good one. Got to imagine he's going to be a front runner for Canada's World Junior Team next year, right? Yeah, I yeah, definitely. He should be on the list uh, of of uh, to try out it for sure. I wondered if he would be this year, but he being an 18 year old and that that Canadian team was pretty veteran heavy. Uh, I'm not surprised he wasn't selected, but he still has one more year. He was on the uh, team WHL for the uh, CHL Russia series, so and that's always kind of a, a good proxy to see who might be on the Canadian World Junior team the following season. Uh, but yeah, I definitely expect him to be on Canada's list, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's on the radar given what he's doing this year. Yeah, speaking of Canada, um, you know Ty Smith has just been tearing it up since since he came back from from winning gold and. Um, he's kind of maybe been the opposite end of the spectrum from the Portland scene with, with Joel Holfer, who's kind of maybe taken a step back in some of his numbers. Uh, Ty Smith seems to have kind of found kind of that, that next gear and kind of showed why he's, you know, the reigning WHL defenseman of the year. 
uh, six goals, 20 points in his last 13 games since, since coming back. And I had a chance to talk with both him and, and, and Vivros uh, last time, you know, Spokane was here. And a lot of what they talked about was the fact that, um, you know, he's been kind of doing all the other little things right lately. And yeah, the scoring is going to happen and that's going to come, but it's, it's everything else that he does for the team and, um, and kind of the leadership that, that he provides and, and the stability and a guy who's been through everything, who's, you know, you know, I remember a couple seasons ago when he was a, a 17 year old and, and playing shutdown minutes against, you know, Cody Glass, Kiefer Bellows and Skylar McKenzie here. And everyone's like, there's still two more years of, of this guy in Spokane. And, um, you know, it's been fun to kind of watch his season a little bit and maybe not quite putting up the numbers that some might have expected when he came back from New Jersey. But um, I guess what have you seen from from, from Ty uh, since he's come back from from World Juniors? Well, he's the same old Ty Smith. And you mentioned the numbers. Um, I don't think the teams, the Chiefs are using him this year uh, with the primary purpose of putting up points. He's going to put up plenty of points. He's, he's more than a point a game. Um, even with, uh, you know, he missed time for the World Juniors and a little bit at the beginning of the season when he was in New Jersey. But uh, you, you're you absolutely right. He does a lot of the little things. The team, oftentimes their fourth line, sometimes it's their, their fourth line is, is all 16-year-olds, all rookies. So when that line is out, Manny likes to put out Ty Smith and Noah King uh, just for a little safety buffer on the, on the back end. So he plays a lot of minutes with some young guys. Uh, which, uh, you know, you're not going to get a ton of points theoretically doing that, but um, he's, you know, he's he's the type of player that'll do anything for a coach. He's very coachable, really good leader. Um, he's already acts like a, like, like a professional. Um, you know, there's always that talk in the hockey world of should they, should they allow 19-year-olds to play in the American Hockey League, um, even if they have, even if they're from a CHL team. And I used to kind of think like, no, let him play in the CHL. But if there's a if there's a guy who would qualify for quote unquote exceptional status for the American Hockey League, it would be a guy like Ty Smith, or even last year Cody Glass for for Portland. Yep. They're just so so good, so far ahead of everybody else in the CHL. You kind of wonder if if it's doing anything for the for their development. I don't know. That's for other people to 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 to, to debate. But Ty Smith just sees the game ten steps ahead of everybody else. Um, it's pretty it's amazing to watch him he's not the fastest guy but he thinks the game faster than everybody else and I, I feel like some teams kind of gang up on him kind of take advantage of, of of getting a little physical with him um I, I i see that with a few teams but um he weathers it really well and he's a really good team leader um and like i said the points will come he's like i said he's over a point a game but <clears throat> getting points is not the primary purpose of of ty smith he's really driving offense he's the quarterback on the power play um, he's just a really tremendous player, and um, it's this is definitely his last season in Spokane. He'll be in the NHL next year or the American Hockey League. Yeah, I, I know a lot of fans, and uh, you know, kind of look at that, and they look at the numbers and say, you know, you know, how is this guy not putting up more points? And, and that was kind of similar with a lot of the questions that were were thrown around here last season with, with Cody Glass. And some of it too is, you know, with, when you look at some of these guys who've been at NHL camps who've been at world juniors, they're used to playing with players who can think the game at the same level as they do. And so sometimes you'll see these little area passes or you'll see kind of these blind looks that, you know, if they're playing with another future NHL or, or a current NHL player, that that pass is going to work or that pinch is going to make sense because they're anticipating that, that the winger is going to cover form at the blue line. 
and I've seen sometimes where, you know, there's maybe kind of that adjustment of, okay, you know, maybe someone isn't thinking, you know, 10 steps ahead, they're thinking two steps ahead. And so you kind of have to kind of bring your game, I don't want to say bring your game back down to that level, but, you know, I think that's why in a way that the Cody Glass, Yoke and Blickfeld combination works so well was it was basically two NHLers or at least two AHLers at bare minimum who who were thinking the game kind of the, the same way. So, you know, I always kind of look at that in terms of, you know, there's been a lot of questions about why is Smith not putting up the numbers? What about Bowen Byram, right? How did, how was the fourth overall pick not, you know, scoring goals like he was before. And, you know, I think there's also the human side of it too, of, you know, these kids have a dream, like you mentioned of, you know, he put everything he had into making the NHL and you get sent back and you go from flying on a, you know, first class to, to riding a bus. Right. So I think yeah, there's and- the, the human element. Yeah, go ahead. Every every season, uh, last three seasons, the Chiefs have had someone in that similar situation. Kyler Yamamoto, then last year, Jarrett Anderson-Dolan, and now Ty Smith. They start out with their NHL club, and then they come back anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 games into the Spokane Chiefs season. And I, I've asked all three of them, and they all three say the same thing. When they come back here, it's quite an adjustment because it's a lot slower. And that's just – it's not an indictment on anybody. It's just the way it is. It's junior hockey compared to the NHL. So it is quite an adjustment coming back from the NHL. Um, You really got to, you know, get used to the the pace that you're playing. Um, But guys like, like, like the Cody glasses, the Ty Smith, Jared Anderson, Dolan, they'll be able to adjust to that eventually. And and they all do. Um, I do notice every now and then they'll make a play where I say to myself, well, that works here against, you know, the (laughs) Seattle Thunderbirds or, or whoever, but it's not going to work against the Pittsburgh Penguins or the New York Rangers. So, um, but they'll they'll figure that out. They'll learn. That's that's what I got. That they got coaches at the next level. But it definitely is an adjustment. And all you know, Ty Smith is making a, a good transition. Yeah. So we're about twenty seven minutes in. Um, Want to just kind of keep keep us on on track here? I know hockey, talking hockey sometimes we can lose track of the time. So um, just want to be respectful of you and and your time. So. You know, as we kind of, you know, started off our conversation, um, you know, it seems like Spokane is, is pretty well entrenched there in, in third place in, in the U.S. division. They're definitely not getting caught from behind being up 17 points on on Seattle. And like you mentioned, you know, maybe an outside chance of catching Everett. But, you know, Everett's got a couple of games in hand as well. With kind of them kind of being locked in, per se, where uh, in the standings where they are, I what's kind of the approach from from the team and you know, trying to kind of what's the focus going forward as kind of in this last quarter of the season as they prepare for the playoffs? Well, they beat Everett this past Sunday um, here in Spokane. And after the game, the, from the head coach to the players, they all said, we're, we're, we expect to play Everett in the first round of the playoffs. It's pretty much guaranteed. Um, like we said, an, a small chance the Chiefs catch them. Even if Spokane catches them, they'll still play them in the first round. The home yep. ice will switch. Um Kind of a, a long shot for Everett to catch Portland, although I think Everett and Portland still have a couple games, two or three games yeah. left to play against each other. So that could change things. Yeah. So, yep. But, yeah, the Chiefs fully expect to play Everett in the first round. And some folks may remember the Chiefs eliminated Everett in the second round uh, last season, which was somewhat of an upset. Everybody kind of you know, thought Everett might uh, – be a contender for the Memorial Cup even, and the Chiefs beat them in five games. Um, they got some home ice luck. Uh, I mean, Everett had home ice in that series, but the first two games were in Everett, and the next three games were in Spokane. 
because Everett's arena was uh, being used for Cirque du Soleil. So I'm sure Everett's going to avoid that this season uh, come yeah. playoff time. But uh, after the game Sunday, everybody's the players and the coaches saying we're, we're we're pretty much trying to play playoff hockey right now because you know there's only a month left in the season. Um, they want to get a good gauge on on what kind of team they have. Uh, playing Everett gave them a good idea of what team Everett has. And that was the last game they'll play ever in the regular season. So the next time the teams meet will um, is almost certainly going to be in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know Spokane's got a game before, before Portland uh, on Friday night as, as, as Moose Jaw rolls in, into town there, but uh, maybe looking ahead a little bit to Friday, I know teams don't like to, you know, one game at a time, but uh, as reporters, I think we're allowed to look ahead. Right. Um, so uh, um, kind of looking ahead, looking ahead to, to Friday. I, I know the, these when these two teams play, um, you know, it's always you know whatever the you know there's going to be goals scored. It's very rarely is it a def, you know a defensive battle or an offensive struggle. Um, you know, Portland's four zero and two in the in the six games that have, that have been played. Both teams are, are red hot. I think in their last ten, Portland's seven one and one. Spokane's eight and two. You know, both teams are, are playing well. Uh, you know, Spokane caught Portland down the stretch at the end of the the end of the season last year with, you know, with a great run towards the end. And, you know, it's, it's kind of about when you're playing your best hockey. So um, one of the things that, that Portland fans are familiar with is, you know, Spokane's a, a tough team to come back from if, if they're, if they're winning um, or if they're in the lead after the first period is they're 17 2 and one, uh, you know, if they've got the lead after 20 minutes, what, do you, what, what for you is maybe the, a key to uh, Friday night? I think they got to get out uh, ahead of Portland early. I think they did that last Tuesday in that wild overtime game. Um, but Portland's Portland's really dangerous. I've talked to a few people. I've I've told I I still think Portland is by far the favorite in the wet in the Western Hockey League. I haven't seen Edmonton in person, so it's hard to gauge fully. But um, the Chiefs need to get up early on Portland, make them play comeback because Portland does a really good job at least in the games that I've seen them play against the Chiefs, Portland does a really good job of pretty much playing keep away. They don't let uh, the other team have the puck much, really good at controlling possession. Um, and when the Chiefs do have the puck, Portland doesn't give them a ton of room to work. And Portland, you know, we talked about Adam Beckman earlier, who's just putting up goals and points galore. Portland's got a lot of depth. No, nobody's really, I mean, Seth Jarvis has got a lot of points, but um, after him, it's really a good, uh, a good, chunk of, of players that can score um, they can put up all sorts of points so they've got a lot of good depth Joel Hofer's a world-class goalie I've really been impressed with his improvement even based on last season the few games I saw him play um, against Spokane uh, I just think Portland's really set up uh, for a deep run um, they've got a great head coach who's you know went to a Memorial Cup with them uh, coached in the NHL uh, so I, I'm I'm fully expecting Portland to um, uh, make a make a real deep run this this spring, um, but anything can happen in the playoffs. We saw the Spokane beat uh, Everett last year in the playoffs, so um, who knows? But I think uh, Friday's game, I think Spokane will p- approach it as kind of a gauge of where they at uh, as they approach the playoffs, and I'm sure Portland's kind of doing the same thing. So these teams have seen a lot of each other in the last couple seasons. Uh, you know, the, they've met in the playoffs the last two seasons. Um, so they're pretty used to each other. They're probably sick of each other. And, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's you're the lucky one that you get to see it over in Portland and I'll, I'll be here in Spokane. <laughs> yeah. One of the things for me that what kind of diving into this was, you know, Spokane last year, 
just destroyed Portland on the power play. That was a huge talking point. I think at one point they were like 50% of the power play. And and this year it's kind of been, the storyline's kind of been flipped. I think Portland is seven of 18 in the series so far and, and Spokane's only two of 10, but um, you know, so special teams will, will probably play a factor as they do in, in most hockey games. Um, but you know, the one guy we haven't touched on at, at all somehow during our conversation here is, is Jack Finley who leads uh, all scores in, in the head to head matchup with, with five goals. So um, he scored some, some big goals, including that overtime winner last week. So uh, he'll definitely be a, a player. Portland fans are going to, going to want to keep an eye on, you know, Beckman's got four goals. Um, so, you know, there's definitely some the, the, there's firepower on the Chiefs just just as well and and you know Portland has has lately been a little turnover happy in their own zone struggled on the breakout and Spokane's a, a bigger team at least compared to some of Portland's players and you know the uh, the Chiefs forecheck has sometimes given them a little bit of of a challenge so that's going to be something Portland's going to want to do they they're hopefully going to have Clay Hannes back who's uh, missed the past couple of games after getting hurt uh, against Everett. He's a big puck mover for them. And so hopefully from, from a Portland perspective, they're going to look at that and see, okay, maybe our breakout will be helped a little bit, but uh, you know, Jack Finley on, on the four check uh, rec, uh, caused havoc uh, last week. Yeah. Finley's he's been hot lately. Um, scored two goals in his hometown in Kelowna a week or so ago. Uh, had another two goals recently. He's just a huge body and he's six, five. He's only 17. He'll, he should be drafted this summer as well, second or third round. Um, he's going to be a guy who camps out in front of the net, in front of Hofer, so the Portland D will have to keep an eye on him. He's really good at screening the goalie. Um, if there's one de- thing I'd – I mean, I'm not his coach, but if I was, I would say you need to be a little more physical. He, he's 6'5". He's just a huge guy. He might still be growing too, I think. Um, at least uh, – I don't know if he's going to grow any taller, but at least bigger. I think he, he could be very physical and just overpower guys – um, in the corners, along the boards, in front of the net. Um, he's been fun to watch, and he'll be fun to watch in the next couple of seasons. But you're right. He's been a – he's really come on after Christmas, and he's a guy that everybody's going to have to keep an eye on. Well, uh, I've, we've, we've touched on a lot. Is there anything I've missed that you want Portland fans to, to be aware of about, about the Chiefs? No, just uh, if Portland and Spokane uh, meets in the playoffs, that means uh, the Chiefs probably have beaten Everett for the second year in the row in the playoffs. So that would be another fun playoff series. I know, uh, you know, Portland and Spokane played last year in the playoffs and the year before. Uh, Portland won two years ago. Spokane won last year. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I think meeting multiple times in consecutive playoff seasons kind of really creates those rivalries. So... Um, like I said earlier, they're probably sick of each other. And uh, for yep. people like us and for fans, that kind of uh, annoyance of each other is actually fun to watch because we kind of get some more emotion <laughs> into the game. So uh, who knows? Maybe they'll meet each other in the playoffs and, uh, you know, create a create a new rivalry. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, where can uh, where can fans uh, read your work, uh, give you a follow on Twitter? Uh, how can they how can they follow uh, what you're doing out there in Spokane? So they could read my stuff on spokesman.com uh, in the Spokesman Review, the local paper here in Spokane. And on Twitter, I am the letter K underscore Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you uh, you jumping on here and, and talking hockey. It's always fun to uh, kind of, you know, uh, be able to have those conversations. And uh, it's, it's a fun time of year. There's, you know, not many games left. Playoffs are coming up. The games start to get a little bit tighter. 
and uh, it's, it's definitely a, a fun time. So uh, really appreciate uh, your time the, this evening and uh, we'll maybe see you around the rink here. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I agree. This is one of the best times of the year as the playoffs approach. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you.